Welcome everyone to Seat Go Create. Tim Winders here, your host. Kind of a cold, drizzly day here where I'm at, just outside of Zion National Park in Southern Utah. Hopeful that you're having a great day where you're at. Today, gonna be a lot of fun. We're gonna be talking about business, talking about revenue growth, talking about uh, getting alignment between sales and marketing, and all of that with the foundation of how it functions within the kingdom of God. So we're going to have a spiritual tone with a lot of practical business stuff, which I love. That's what we're all about here at Seat Go Create, where we redefine success and talk about things in the area of leadership, business, and ministry. I'm glad you're here. One quick item before I get to my guests, make sure you're following all that we're doing over on our website at SeatGoCreate.com. That's where you get all the detailed notes, all the things mentioned today. We've got an author, and we're going to be talking about his book and a lot of other things, resources and all that. You can get all of that over at SeatGo GoCreate.com. Make sure you check that out. Today we have Daryl Amy as our guest, and he is passionate about helping great kingdom-minded companies grow revenue. I love that. You know, you don't have to be poor just because you operate in the kingdom of God. In fact, you're probably wealthy beyond anything you can imagine. Daryl is the author of the best-selling book, Revenue Growth Engine. I've got a little bit over halfway finished with it awesome practical tips in that book. We're going to talk a lot about that. And uh, I love the subtitle of it, How to Align Sales and Marketing to Drive Accelerate Growth. Daryl, welcome to Seat Go Create. Uh, Tim, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me in. This is going to be a fantastic discussion. Yeah, I think we're going to have lots of fun because we could tie, we could tie all kinds of things together. Before I do that, though, uh, we bump into each other, church, on an airplane, somewhere out and about. And I say, Daryl, what do you do? What do you tell people? Yeah, I inspire and equip kingdom-minded business professionals to grow their revenue and their impact. And here's the deal. You're absolutely right. This is, we're called to go into the world to be salt and light and to make a difference and make an impact. And part of that is driving revenue. We have to have resources to be able to make an impact. And so for all of us who are working in the marketplace, who've been called into the business world, it's important that we set ourselves up to be able to drive revenue growth. Because the way I look at this, Tim, the more revenue, the more resource, the more impact we're going to have. We're going to create great, meaningful work inside a, a kingdom-minded business. And we're going to be able to give back and invest into projects uh, locally and all around the world where people are impacting the kingdom. And so this to me is like at the epicenter, we can talk about being in business, but being in business means we got to generate some revenue <laughs> without revenue. I noticed when there's revenue in a business, and I say this at the beginning of in the introduction of Revenue Growth Engine, when there's revenue flowing in a business, you can tell you walk in, you feel it, it feels good, it feels like something's going on and something's right. And when revenue is not flowing into business, you walk in and you can feel that as well, right? It's it's kind of a bummer. I think as kingdom business professionals, it's important that we set ourselves up uh, with the right strategies, the right systems to be able to drive revenue growth. And so that's why I'm passionate about helping kingdom business uh, professionals drive growth so they can make an impact. Yeah, and all of those things are awesome because they they fit so much in what I've been preaching, teaching, sharing for so long. And we really like to do that here at Seat Go Create. I've got two quick questions. You, I think you may have addressed them there, but 
I want to do it before we get started here. Let's assume, Daryl, that someone stumbles onto this podcast and they don't know what we're talking about with Kingdom Minded. They may not believe or follow Christ like we do. And mm-hmm. they, they, they maybe saw the heading revenue growth or something like that. Why should they hang around and listen to what we're going to talk about? Because the reality is everyone that has a heart wants to make an impact. Uh, you know, whether, whether you're of, of uh, the Christian faith like you and I are, and we feel uh, a calling by Jesus to go out into the world and uh, make disciples, make an impact, or whether you're a, a just a business person that says, I got into business because I want to make a difference. I want to create meaningful work for people. I want to help solve the world's problems. That If that's you, you want to make an impact, you've got to have revenue. So we'd love for you to hang around for this conversation because all of this is critical. And, and you may have some, some friends that are listening in that are in the nonprofit side of the world at, who are out doing amazing things. Well, guess what? If you're a non not for profit, it doesn't say not for revenue. It's a not for profit. You need revenue. So uh, all of this, and I'm sure we'll get to talk more about some of the things we're doing uh, in that space. But all of this is predicated on revenue. And when you hear revenue, really, what I, what I want you to hear is I want you to hear resource because money is a uh, it is is a resource, and having a consistent stream of revenue flowing into your business frees you up, empowers you to do do things. So yes, whether whether you um, are share the same Christian faith that Tim and I do, or whether you've come in and said, I want to grow revenue because I want to make an impact in the world, you're going to love this conversation. And I, I think that's where, you know, one of these things we've got, we've got to remember at the end of the day, we've got to be able to show, uh, we've got to be able to show results in that scorecard in business. One of the main, main pieces of data on that scorecard is revenue. Sure. So, and and let's just say we've got one of our fellow followers of Christ Christians that that they get a little bit ruffled when they hear people of of our background start talking a little bit more about money or resources or revenue. They get a little bit anxious about it. They don't like it. They believe that we should just kind of allow God to bring stuff to us and all that. Let's go ahead and answer the question for them if they're a little bit uncomfortable about the conversation so that we could really get into some stuff. I want us to get into some deep stuff here, but to, yeah. uh, respond to them if they're like going, oh, I don't know if we should be talking about all this filthy, uh, ugly stuff like, you know, money and sales and marketing. Ooh. Yeah. Well, I, I just want to quote, I want to quote one of my favorite mentors and that thought leaders, Graham Cook. And he just says this so eloquently, stop it. Just stop it. Look, here's the deal. I you can just I just challenge you. And I'm not a theologian. I'm I'm not a biblical scholar, but I know if you crack open the word of God, doesn't matter, Old Testament, New Testament, wisdom literature, Jesus teaching, Paul's teaching, you're gonna find stuff about money. It's all through the whole thing. So uh unless you just want to like take a magic eraser and or cross out those verses in your Bible. I don't think we need to be afraid of money, you know, and I'm sure we could get into a deep discussion about um, the love of money versus money and all of that. But the reality is if you have a business, you've accepted a responsibility. Um, you've, res- ex- you've accepted or created a responsibility to your clients, 
you've created responsibility to your employees, to your vendors and partners, to your community, all these different stakeholders. And you know, part of part of fulfilling on that responsibility is having the resources to be able to deliver, to be able to create opportunity for your employees, to be able to give back to your communities. Um, and so in all of that, yeah, behind all of that is revenue. And so business, when you boil it all down, you know, this is, uh, we're in football season uh, right now as this is being recorded, we're watching bowl games and, and all of that. And there's a lot of stats in a bowl game. You know, how many yards did you get? What was your pass completion? What was, they have all this data. I'm not a sports nerd. I just watch casually. Uh, but I will say go blue on Saturday. We'll see how that goes. This podcast will be out long after uh, my Michigan Wolverines, hopefully win the national championship. We'll see. But all the data, and there's lots of data in a business. In football, there's lots of data. There's only one piece of data that matters. And that's how many points did you get? In business, there's a lot of data as well. And uh, to our finance friends, you've got lots of different things that you track. My friends in sales track lots of things. Marketing, fellow marketing professionals, we track lots of things, but there's one piece of data that matters. And that's, you know, how much revenue did you drive and how much made it to the bottom line, of course. But I'm a revenue guy. So I like that top line. And so we've got to keep our eye on that ball because those are the the things that in business, it matters. Um, it is the scorecard of business. It's not the total scorecard. But let me tell you, if you want to say, I'm going to have a scorecard, and I, I believe in multiple bottom lines. I believe in impact businesses. Um, I believe in that wholeheartedly. But if you're going to have multiple bottom lines uh, in terms of your kingdom impact, your societal social impact, your environmental impact, all of these different things, that's great. But you don't have anything going into those bottom lines if you don't have revenue coming in the top. So you know, this is, there's no, no sacred cow here. There's nothing mystical about this. There's nothing to be afraid of. Uh, but the reality is healthy businesses have revenue. Healthy football teams win games. They get more points than the other team. Healthy businesses show the scorecard with, with revenue and hopefully revenue that's growing because that's the sign that you're providing something that is, is serving the needs of the, the clients and prospects yeah. um, that, that you want to serve. One thing about that, Daryl, I think you kind of brought it up earlier. A lot of people get, it's so interesting that the term nonprofit, many times people means, think that means no revenue or non, you know, <laughs> right. nothing coming in. And, and you know, I, I know a lot of people that practice it that way too, too oh, by the way. I've seen a lot of non-revenue nonprofits. <laughs> yeah, non churches and businesses and Businesses too, right. too. yeah, yeah. And uh, one of the things that I, I saw was that um, you've got a nonprofit, Kingdom Missions Fund, that was a little bit of the catalyst for some of the things you do, and I, and this is kind of what I read, and you can kind of go into more depth here, that you noticed that the largest donations were coming from business owners. And uh, and you were kind of wondering what that might look like if you kind of helped them grow revenue. So tell, tell a little bit about the catalyst there for a lot of the things you do, because it seems like that was kind of foundational to your mission right now. Yeah, it really was. So I've been in um, sales uh, January 1, 2023. 2023 will be 30 years in sales and marketing and in business development. And so I've been in the, the business development profession for a long time. And I was on a sabbatical about five years ago. 
And on that sabbatical, and we, uh, one of my favorite topics, maybe we'll hit later in the conversation, is how to change your life with regular sabbaticals. But I'm a sabbatical, and it was one of those inflection moments where you're like, okay, what am I going to do next? What's what what's next? What do we do now? Where do we go? And um, I have a one of my core values is impact. I want to make an impact. And at the time I had a sales development and marketing agency in the technology world. And we were serving companies um, in partnership with larger organizations, um, some household technology brand names you probably recognize. We were serving their channel in, in these partner programs. It was fantastic. And you know what? Some of the organizations we served are really good. Some of them weren't. <laughs> this was, it's I had one of these moments where it's like, you know what? Going forward, I want to help generous kingdom-minded business people grow their business. I'm done helping dirtbags grow their business. I want to have, I want, I want to help organizations grow. And it was one of those moments where I said, okay, look, I can grow a business and I can have a certain amount of impact, or I could help 10,000 kingdom-minded businesses grow their business. And I can have an exponential impact doing that. So that was the path that I chose. Um, and in all of that, it really came out of this realization. Um, years ago, we started the Kingdom Missions Fund and a fun backstory on that. But basically, it's like Shark Tank for missions innovations. So we have business owners and individuals donating into this fund. And all year long, we get grant applications for innovative projects in the missions field that are smart, sustainable, and scalable. And uh, so you know, in, in doing that over the last 19 years now, uh, what I've noticed is we've got a great, phenomenal, wonderful donor base of individuals that, uh, that give monthly. And um, you know, I'm one of those. We also have business owners that give out of the profits of their business. And those are the checks with commas in them. <laughs> those are the ones that move the needle. And so, you know, the reality is if you're a nonprofit organization, you're a ministry or church, uh, you need all of the above. You want everybody involved, but you, you know, you need those, those checks uh, that have commas in them to really move the needle forward on big projects. And so I looked at, at that and said, what if I dedicated my life to helping kingdom-minded entrepreneurs grow their revenue so they could write more checks with commas? And so that they could really go out and, and make an impact in the world. And so inside all of that, that's what motivated me to write the book and motivates the, the work we're doing and helping organizations develop the systems to be able to grow. We call it exponential revenue growth. One of the topics we unpack early in the book and to set things up so that, you know, by working smart um, and intentionally, our businesses can yield the fruit that allows us to have the impact and allows us, quite frankly, to write the checks with commas in them to the um, to the kingdom ministries and investments that we want to be a part of mm -hmm. to advance the kingdom of God on the earth. It's actually quite simple, but this is you know this is what gets me up in the morning. I love uh, talking with folks like yourself, and I know many of the listeners to this podcast that get up in the morning going. How can I make a, a difference in the world? How can I advance the kingdom? And I would say to you, it's going to happen as you develop more resources, more resources, more influence, more impact. And uh, yeah, so all of that started, though, back in the day of realizing, hey, the big checks that are coming in, 
they're coming from entrepreneurs. And so for all our entrepreneur friends or um, people that want to become entrepreneurs, I say, go for it and set your business up in a way that it's going to grow and it's going to maximize uh, the revenue coming in so that you can have more impact. Yeah, that's exciting. It fits right into uh, the mission of much of what we do here. One of the things I want to do, Daryl, because if if we use the term kingdom minded around mm-hmm. here, it's it's fairly common. But one of the things that I love to do when someone said it now, I think I've counted five times already that you've brought it up in the short time we've been talking, which is cool is I'd love for you to find it, define it. What is kingdom minded? What does that mean when you say kingdom minded business or kingdom minded mm. leader? And uh, just give us a few of the, I don't know, definition parameters, whatever, whatever yeah. you'd like to do there so that someone kind of understands it. And the reason I bring that up too is it was kind of funny. Years ago, <laughs> I was kind of going through um, my, my Christian growth and my spiritual growth. And I went to a small little church up <laughs> near Athens, Georgia. And the, and the pastor kept saying, we're a kingdom church. And I was like going, that's awesome. And I'm studying the kingdom of God and all that. So what is, mm-hmm. what does it mean to be a kingdom church? And he goes, and he kind of just had this blank look and said, oh, we're a kingdom church. And I went, okay, well, give me a little more info. On that. <laughs> so it's like, he's like, say like, you should know that. And I guess I don't want to assume that everyone knows it. So t- talk a little about being kingdom minded business. So I'm not the first person to get this tough question. <laughs> well, no, 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 no probably not. But, and then, and he also said it in a way, and you know how some of our churchy friends can be. He also said it in a way, like, if you don't know, you don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just should know. <laughs> anyway, kingdom minded. What is that? Oh, what does that man, mean? To that's you? a it's such a great question, and I feel like that's what I want to go chew on for a while. But the first thing that comes to mind is is just really simply when the disciples asked Jesus to pray, you know, after he says the two most um, life-shattering words, I think, in the entire Bible, where he says, our Father, God's our Father, mind-blowing, right? Um, and th- then, then he gets in this whole thing where he says, your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I read um, read someone recently, I think it was N.T. Wright, I can't remember exactly who, but they said, you could say, if you were saying that in common language back then, the prayer would basically say, kingdom come, <laughs> will be done. And so the amazing thing about uh, Father God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is they... You know, it's it's that famous quote, without God, we cannot, without us, he will not. Like, for some reason, God chose to execute uh, his domain on this earth through his people. You know, and, and, and you go, what? <laughs> I don't know why, but he did. You could probably get into a long discussion about why God would do that. Doesn't seem like the best strategy to me most days. He would choose us. Uh, to uh, to bring his will uh, to, on earth, or, you know, and, and the cry of the kingdom of God. And a kingdom is just simply your area of influence. Yeah. It's your domain, right? And so everybody listening in has a kingdom. It's your personal life. Maybe it's your family. If you're a business owner, now you just expanded your kingdom because your domain um, is your business. It's your area where you have effective influence. And so when we talk about a kingdom business, it's a 
it's a business led by uh, a believer that understands the Lord's prayer that says, my role is, you know, on this earth is to say kingdom come will of God be done. And so I have um, a domain, I have an area of influence, maybe an area of authority. If you're a business owner, you have authority over that. And so as, as mind blowing and humbling as it is, what we're, we're in essence saying is that we are going to um, bring the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. We don't live from earth to heaven, we live from heaven to earth. We're gonna bring the kingdom of God into our business. Now, how do you do that? Well, you have a whole podcast talking every week about how we make yeah. that happen because there's a lot of sure. dynamics to that. But I think this is is just simply uh, at a very simple level, the effective um, influence or reign of God over an area. And in this case, it's a business. A business is um, an area of domain. It's an actual entity. Um, you register your business with whatever state or, or area you're doing business in. It's an actual entity. My business files a tax return. I mean, it is an entity um, that uh, whether it's an LLC, an S corp or C corp or blah, blah, blah. That's not my area of expertise, but it's an entity. And so you have, and it's an entity that has people in it. And I think this is what's what's so important. You know, what's interesting, Tim, I had this realization and when I started my business, in 2004, January 1 of 2004, so almost two decades ago, um, I got into this business and I was doing sales training and I had a, a marketing agency along with that. And, and I quickly realized that my area of influence through my business, I knew my neighbors and some people I went to church with here in the area where I live. You know, I don't know, maybe a couple hundred people if you added it up. But when I looked at business and I was doing sales training on three continents, I had clients across North America and Australia for our marketing services business. I had all of the partners that brought us in. I had uh, referral partners. My business network was in the thousands. So maybe a couple hundred locally, but through business now I had relationships with thousands of people and you know, I had conversations with thousands of people multiple times. I developed friendships, had dinner with thousands of people over the last couple of decades. And I look back over that and go, you know, I've, I've hope I've had influence locally. I know I have, but if I look at like how much influence I've been able to have locally, just through my local network of friends and church versus the network in my business, it's probably 10x. And so when we talk about bringing the kingdom from heaven to earth, this is why I think that, um, that Dr. Billy Graham said, you know, the next great move of God on the earth is going to be through business because this is where, this is where we have our relationships. I spend all day at this, right? We spend a lot of time at this. So this is our area of influence in a kingdom business is a business that uh, is led by a kingdom person that says kingdom come will be done. I'm consecrating this, this business to you. I'm going to pray over it. I'm going to love the people that work with me, that I serve, that serve me. We're going to 
going to bring the kingdom into this. I love that. I like that. Uh, what I'm hearing is that someone's running a business and they are really allowing God to rule and reign in that business. And, and that's, that's, they're allowing that kingdom in there. So that's, that's awesome. Daryl, I, I'm always curious when I have people that have the background that you have, have you always been a business guy? Was there a time where you were considering going into, I'm doing air quotes for those people that might be listening, full-time ministry, or, or I, I guess I guess let's spend just a couple minutes with a little bit of Daryl, the early years. Daryl, the so, early so, years. So that we can understand a little bit where, where you are. And then, and then in a little while, I want to do a deep dive into revenue growth, because I think that's the practical uh, tips and training that we're going to be able to help you with. But how'd you come to be? I mean, were you, did you grow up in a church setting or business setting or, or you said Canada earlier? Is that right? Are you sure? I did. Yeah. Did you grow up in Canada? I, I did. Oh yes. I'm a Canadian kid that married a Southern girl. We can do the rest of this podcast well, in Canadian. Well, well, there show, well, that shows a lot of wisdom but, to marry a Southern girl. Let me just tell you, oh, I don't absolutely. know if you knew that right away or just you saw one and it was just like, pew, because there's something about those women from the South. I married one myself. I know. <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, there were there was a, a woman, a family from the South that moved and up uh, into Ontario where I grew up and uh, came to our church. And I remember going, there's something about this that I really like. <laughs> and so here I am right now, uh, three decades later, naturalized, dual citizen and, and all of that. But um, my origin story, wow, I, you know, I, I'm profoundly grateful because I grew up uh, in a family of faith. My papa was a missionary in post-war Europe. Um, my dad was a preacher when I was young, so I was the preacher's kid. But at the same time, uh, all of that happened, we kind of grew up dirt poor. And I, I don't think it was, uh, you know, I won't say it was the most spiritual decision of my life as a, a teenager and then going to university, but I was like, I want to figure out how to make some money. <laughs> so I'm not saying that I was living uh, my best life or all of that, but when it came to uh, selecting a uh, career and profession. Now, I was already in sales before I got into business school and university. Well, I remember uh, one day I grew up, my dad was also a carpenter, so I learned how to build stuff. And so I was building, my parents had uh, some milestone uh, anniversary and I didn't really have any money to buy them anything. So I just took some scrap wood and built them a, uh, it's like this outdoor seating thing, couple seats and a table in between. And as I'm finishing it up on the driveway, someone pulls into the driveway that was driving by, backs their car up and pulls into the driveway and says, is that for sale? Sure. <laughs> right. So that was my first business transaction. Next thing you know, they handed me, I don't know, a hundred bucks for this thing. I was like, this is cool. I went to the lumber store, bought lumber to build three more, gave one to my parents, sold two more and started having those things on consignment at, uh, local shops later on um <laughs> during uh, one summer in business school i got a job in sales consumer electronic sales it was like best buy on straight commission it was just terrible but uh <laughs> i learned how to i learned how to sell and i learned uh that over the one week in christmas holidays i made more money than i made the entire summer and i thought sales is pretty good so I went to business school, got out of business school, got straight into sales. It was actually one of those deals. I was going to sell for a couple of years, 
while my wife finished up her undergrad and then I was going to go to law school. And because um, I thought that would be cool as well, you know, the whole standing in court and, um, you know, did you order the code red, that type of thing. That's what I was I didn't realize. I later learned that attorneys have a really boring job and, and people only call them when there's problems. But after a couple of years in sales, I was making more money than my friends graduating from law school. So I just stayed in this career in technology sales, sales management. I got hired by a Japanese uh, manufacturer of technology to be a regional sales director. And, you know, the reality is during most of those years, Tim, I'm, you know, I'm embarrassed to say it, but I, I had two lives. I had, there was a firewall between my life. I was actively involved in my church all around great guy, um, you know, leading small groups, doing all this stuff. And, um, and then I had my business life and it wasn't that my business life was horrible, unethical, or, you know, I was a great business guy, but I didn't really, I just didn't see the connection and the bridge between those two. And, um, I don't know why it took me so long to recognize that, but I, I gotta say, I want to just give a tip of the hat to my good friend and, and podcast co-host, Larry Levine, Larry um, co-hosts the Selling from the Heart podcast with me. And we're leading a movement of authenticity inside the sales profession. So this is maybe my my redemption for all those years of being what Larry would call an empty suit. But, uh, you know, Larry uh, has really challenged me over the last, I always, I've known Larry for 15 years. So he's challenged me to just destroy that wall between my personal life and my business life. And um, that, that's been a, a process. It's been, you know, I'd like to say that was easy for me. I'm an introvert, um, I'm, you know, and you, you're an introvert. Yeah, an, an, introvert, an, introvert, an introvert sales guy, is that what I heard? <laughs> introvert sales, we're the best, right? I, I, I love sales. Introverts just get their energy. They don't get their energy from being with people. Right. So I love public speaking. I love training. I love all the things I get to do. But then I'll go uh, uh, read a book and <laughs> recover later Chill. So, while y'all are uh, <laughs> hanging out together. But um, yeah, this is, um, you know, this is, is one of those things I learned from Larry that, you know, the reality is business is much better when you bring your authentic self to the table. And in Larry's book, Selling from the Heart, the subtitle is How Your Authentic Self Sells You. And I think that, you know, for, for everyone listening in that goes, I don't, can I bring my true self to the business world? Yeah, you can. Do it, you have to be wise about that. There's some wisdom, right? Um, but yeah, please do. <laughs> please do. Because, you know, the world needs it. And if you're an entrepreneur, you've got a business, love your people, love them. And if you're a salesperson, love your clients. You know, if you're in another role, love your coworkers. Um, this is, you know, this is, is so important. And I think for years, you know, I had that wall up, but, um, slowly over time, maybe brick by brick, that mm -hmm. wall is coming down. Yeah. And, um, that's a good thing. I could definitely relate to that, Daryl, because I was very similar heading into 08 with our companies and things like that. And, uh, you know, mm -hmm. I was clicking right along with my spiritual growth and all of that and doing my business stuff and, 
you know, they, they intersected. I was the same person, but I, I, this is the way I've said it before, and some people that have listened in have heard it. We are really a product of this Greco-Roman segmented lifestyle, whereas yes. the Middle Eastern culture, everything is one. You know, their family, their business, they only do business with certain people. It's all one. We, we're so segmented. We've got our hobbies. We've got our sports. We've got our politics. We've got, uh, you know, our spiritual walk. We've got sometimes our relationships all divided mm-hmm. up and we never bring them together. And I, this actually goes back to the kingdom discussion we were having earlier. And, and, and I think what it is, is it really, it's where do we allow God to rule and reign? And do we allow him to rule and reign everywhere or just on Sundays when we show up in church? And, you know, what I love hearing is when there's business people like you and people you're interacting with that we're beginning <laughs> to be better at allowing him to rule and reign 24 mm. 7 seven days a week 365 in all areas of our lives regardless of yeah. what we're doing who we're doing and then i want to say one other thing i'm getting a little preachy here but you mm. said something that triggered something with me is you talked about love and i may i may need an introduction with larry because he might be a great interview because because it ties into a lot of things we're talking about here the currency from the studies i've done the currencies the currency of the kingdom of god is not the money and the resources that it is here in the world system. It's love that you guys are talking about over there on that podcast. And mm-hmm. and that is the currency that keeps that whole kingdom going. And it's something that a lot of us, myself, maybe you others, we have to keep learning that, I think. I think so. And, um, you know, it's um, Larry's, Larry's challenged me to, you know, Larry will tell our clients at Selling from the Heart, I love you. And you go, you're going to tell our clients that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because that is the kingdom, right? This is a kingdom of, of love. God is love. I want to go back to this firewall thing, though, because uh, I think there's a word that it's one of my core values. I mentioned um, impact earlier and um, the other, another core value, all of my core values start with I. I've got an alliteration sickness. We'll just put that out on the table. Um, but integrity is one of my core values and you know every christian business person would say yes i want to be a person of integrity but when you take a look at what that word actually means one way to look at it is it means integrated i'm wholehearted right i'm the same person here and here at home at church at the lake at a business meeting, at a conference, at, in the office, I'm integrated. And this, I think, to me, has been a journey of integrity, being wholehearted, um, the same person everywhere I go. And this is a challenge, because I think, like you said, in our Western world, we're kind of taught not to do that. I think we are, you know, let's let's just be honest. A lot of us go to church and we act one way. And then we, you know, and I, I think it's this compartmentalization that drives that. And uh, once again, I'll quote Graham Cook, stop it, <laughs> stop it, stop doing that. Uh, do your best to break the walls down. It takes some courage. But I think when you live with integrity, wholehearted, um, you're going to uh, you're going to do really well. Yeah. And the thing I like about that, Jesus spoke to people that did not live with integrity and what he called them were hypocrites. <laughs> they, Their actions, words, and all that they did did not line up. They were standing up and praying a certain way and doing certain things. And then behind the scenes, they were basically wolves taking advantage of the sheep. 
And I think what, mm. what, what I hear you saying is that as business people, that's not the way we want to be. Listen, there is, an, there is a certain level of, I, I always think back to the 80s movie with, uh, I think it was Gordon Gecko. greed is good. And I mean, it was an attack type mm. thing. And mm -hmm. we can prosper and do well financially and still do it with that level of integrity that you're talking about. So any, anything, one of the things we'd like to unpack a little bit here at Seat Go Create is situations where we've had to redefine or maybe gone through a struggle mm. and it's kind of caused us to kind of reevaluate anything you can share that along your journey you've kind of, you know, I don't want to say crisis or failure because mm. sometimes those words are, they may not mean it, but Anything that's really caused you to reevaluate what success or something means to you related to some of these topics? Oh, man. I used to tell you, I knew you were going to ask the hard questions. <laughs> Sorry, so. man. I and I don't give you but an advance notice. <laughs> this, is where the, this is where the rubber really does meet the road. And, and yeah. this has been my journey of wholeheartedness. And you mentioned 2008. Mm -hmm. And I knew you were going to go there, right? Because I think a lot of us had some challenges in 2008. Um, and it was around that time. It was, it was just such a rescue. Um, I had, uh, picked up a book that's now one of my all time favorite books called wild at heart by John Eldridge, read the book, um, got to the back flap and was just fortunate enough to be able to go out and hang out with some guys out in Colorado and really dive into integrating my mind and my heart. My heart was shut down for a whole lot of reasons. After that, that following year, financial crisis hit. Uh, my biggest client was HP. They reorganized. 30% of our revenue disappeared immediately. The remaining revenue, about half of that disappeared just because it was the financial crisis, right? Everybody was looking for reasons to desperately cut expenses. Um, during that season as well, I also, um, discovered that my marriage was falling apart. And so here I was knocking on the door of 40 and business had cratered. It was underwater marriage falling apart in the middle of all of that. And the two things, you know, my marriage, I, this was my, this, when he, when I look back at this, so much of my identity was wrapped up in this, right. Being the good Christian guy, the good successful Christian business guy, and it was all gone uh, in a matter of in a matter of less than six months. All of it was gone. And um, I'm really, really grateful that I mentioned right before that season that I began um, discovering my heart. <laughs> this thing that's inside me. We you talk about the Western world. We live from our minds a lot. Uh, but Jesus, when he steps on the scene at the very beginning is kind of coming out party in his ministry unrolls the scroll in the temple and says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. So he anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted. And he'd started doing that process inside me. My heart started coming alive. Um, and he'd go, Daryl, isn't that touchy feely? Yeah, I guess so. Money's mentioned a lot in the Bible. The word heart is mentioned over 850 times in the Bible. So uh, you know, I, I'm passionate about this because the reality is, you know, we live from the core of our being. Um, and this is, you know, commit yourself to the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. And I think that's what, what started happening for me in that season. Everything that I'd kind of leaned on for two decades of my adult life was gone. I didn't have, you know, 
one successful business guy, I couldn't lean on that. That was just every day was, you know, a nightmare of survival. Um, and by God's grace, we survived, but it was tough, right? I didn't have um, a marriage to lean on because she was gone. And so that season of having everything stripped away, it didn't feel good, <laughs> which would be the understatement of the day. Mm. Um, but what was beautiful about that season, it was during that season where I think the Lord really challenged me to go, what do you really want? What's your heart's desire? Um, what do you really want out of life? And also the parallel question is, who are you? You know, and I think you heard the early part of my story where I grew up, we didn't have a lot of money. And so I said, I want to make some money. So I just poured myself into successful business guy. I was the youngest, blah, blah, blah. And at every stage of my company, I was always at the top of the list. Um, it was one of those areas where I could build, um, build up uh, my poser. I could become, you know, I looked great. And uh, the reality is, you know, my life looked great. I was a successful business guy, good Christian guy, looked like I had a great marriage, all those things involved in my church, involved in nonprofit ministry and, and all of that. But that all collapsed. And I think, you know, that when, when that happens, it's probably not if, I think there's a desert experience for everybody on their way to the promised land. It's kind of what I've noticed. Um, when that happens, you've got uh, one of two choices. You know, you can get bitter or you can get better. There's a good preacher line, right? But um, it was in that moment that I started to discover what, you know, what do I really, what, what was I created to be? Um, I started going on sabbaticals started spending some intense time by myself off the grid asking the hard questions and wrestling through that and that's been now well that journey's where i guess we're about 12 years into that journey and um, it's been absolutely life-changing in mm -hmm. every way and um, i can look back on that now and go i wouldn't have wished that situation on my worst enemy but i'm grateful for it uh, because it was a gateway into um, a new way of seeing life and a new way of living. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm glad you tied those together because I'm sitting here going, I bet this is related to sabbatical that he brought up earlier. <laughs> and and I was going to ask a question like, so what'd you learn about yourself or what was an action that you changed? And it sounds like the sabbatical was uh, a, a little bit of the the actions and maybe just connecting more. I, you know, I, one of the things, Daryl, that's fascinating to me, and I think we have some similar um, tendencies, and I think there are a lot of people, probably males in our general age group, you know, 40 to 60, that would say this. We're hard chargers. We can get some stuff done. We're achievers. We're going to get the job done, blah, 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 blah. We kind of know what success should look like. We're pursuing it but we're not exactly sure of the condition of our heart. And, mm. and the more I think about it, the more I meditate on it, and I'm a little bit older than you, I believe, I'm pushing 60 here this next year, the more I, I consider it, I actually believe that the condition of our heart is the most important thing. Everything else spills out from it. Sounds to me like the sabbatical for you 
was almost exercise for the heart, the soul, that type thing. Just I'm I'm watching my time. I want to make mm. sure we get into some 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 practical things from the revenue growth. I can but, read the book later. This is Yeah, fun. yeah, yeah, but but tell me give give us yeah. just a glimpse into and I don't everybody's got to do their own thing. Yeah. But tell us a little bit about what the sabbatical looks like for Daryl, whatever you can share with us. Is it, and I hate to say say the way my engineering minds work, is it like a week? Is it three days? Is it three months? What's the formula? What's the secret? formula? Do you have have your cell phone? Is there any electricity? Do you... Do you have to hike up to yeah, the mountain and then come back? <laughs> but that's anything, so anything you could just share again, mm-hmm. I do think it's a, it's a soul and heart thing. If I'm incorrect, let me know, but give us a little bit more about the hmm. sabbatical. Well, there's, it is a soul and heart thing in, in Proverbs four twenty three. above all else, mm-hmm. above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. And so the reality is the world we live in and especially the business world, is soul killing. <laughs> it's tough, right? It's hard, and it's hard right now. And so, um, when I was at Wild at Heart boot camp, uh, I got introduced to the idea of a covenant of silence. That was the first time in my life, maybe, that I gone and sat quietly for an hour hmm. and listened to God. We talk to God a lot. We don't listen to Him very much, even though Jesus says, "Hey, my sheep know my voice." Right? This is uh, so. Anyhow, so I. I, this guy, Steve Doolin, I love Steve. Uh, I don't know him personally, but I'm forever grateful. He came to our church, did this business conference. I don't remember a lot about what he said, but he said, every 90 days I go on a three day sabbatical. I was like, I'm going to try that. (laughs) That sounds like a good idea. So, so I book a cabin and, uh, I go off the grid, big, hard swallow, right? Respond responder email. I'll be out of the office. If you have a problem, call so-and-so trust right so uh swallow hard drive out in the middle of nowhere go to a cabin and spend three days the first 24 hours and i'm doing this next week by the way so the first 24 hours you want to crawl out of your skin it's maddening it's horrible you're just like why did i do this right even driving to wherever i'm going that self-talk is like you got too much to do you can't do this you don't have time for this blah 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 you know so it takes about now I'm less than 24 hours. I'm a little better at it. It takes a little while for the head talk to finally stop. It's like, shut up, stop. Right. And what I'll do over that three days, I'll spend a, a first part of it um, reflecting over what happened over the last 90 days, what happened in my heart. I'll pull out my journal, pull out my photos. Um, I'll look at my calendar. Then I'll spend um, a day just relaxing and trying to listen. And um, so for me, I love the outdoors. Um, this week I'll go, there's a state park that's got these good rustic cabins, lots of hiking trails where I live. Um, so I'll go there and I'll spend a day refl- uh, just listening. And then on the third day, I'll start looking forward, asking the question, okay, Father, what do you have for me in the next 90 days? And um, this has been absolutely life-changing um, for so many so I mean, I could spend the next two hours talking about the uh, things it has done in my life. Part of it has been discovering uh, the heart that God put inside me. We're all created uniquely in his image. We all bear part of the image of God in a unique way. So I'm starting to discover that. 
Um, but then there's the practical side of this. You know, if you're in business, you usually at any given moment have about five different directions you could go. You know, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. Thank you, Yogi. But what fork do I take? <laughs> and so you can start to get some clarity about that and some peace. And um, I'm, you know, to me, and then by the end of the night, by the end of the third day, when you're ready to go back into the real world, by then, I'm just like, I've I got, I'm like, I know I have to turn my cell phone back on. No, I have to turn my cell phone back on and it, yeah, I delay it as long as I can because you know that you're going to get sucked right back into the the matrix. But um, and my wife is able to get a hold of me on these things and, and all of that. Sometimes I go to a cabin, sometimes I go camping, sometimes I go on my sailboat, sometimes um, uh, this year I kind of fudged a little bit on the rules. I took a trek to Mount Everest base camp with some guys. Uh, it was 13 days, but I got three days of quiet time in there, I think. But um, yeah, so to me, that's like the place. Um, those, uh, it's in Romans, I think it's Romans 8, 14. Those who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God and daughters, right? Those are the sons and daughters of God. Who are the sons and daughters of God? Those who are led by the spirit of God. How are we led by the spirit? Well, we have to have some place in our life to listen and look, yeah, a morning quiet time. Oh, of course, absolutely. But let's just be honest, you know, at the pace of life that we're at right now, there's something vital about Jesus did it all the time. You start to notice, right? He's, he's like at the peak of success and he's like, Hey, I'll see you guys later. Where are you going? <laughs> going to, going to be off by myself for a while. Yeah. Y'all can take it from here. And uh, by the way, a wise business person, um, David Weiss said to me years ago, he goes, you need to leave your business for two months. I said, what? He goes, you need to leave your business for two months. Don't, you know, put the put people in charge and um, come back and see how it's doing. You'll know what needs to be fixed. Hmm. And, and uh that's good like, leadership do that that's good leadership yeah. right there i i, I at actually... the time i couldn't do it i was involved in everything and so <laughs> um you know i set it up so so i could do that and um you know so you go well i can't go on a sabbatical yeah you can uh you can and you should and you're gonna thank me for it after the first 24 hours you'll probably be thinking all kinds of terrible things about that daryl guy i heard on the podcast uh, for the first 24 hours after that, you're going to love it. And and I double dog, triple dog, the coup de gras of dares, dare you to try it. Get off the grid for three days, bring a journal, bring my guitar and listen and see what happens. The thing, the thing I love about that, Daryl, is that, you know, we actually originally think that's selfish to do something like that, but really the more you talk about it, it sounds selfless because mm. it really is a dichotomy between my business needs me. I've got to be checking my messages. My fa even family needs me. But what they really need is they need for you to be connected to the father <laughs> because that's where you gain the clarity that you need to live in this chaotic, crazy world we live in. I, I recently recorded an episode, a solo episode here that released. It may, by the time people are listening to this, it may release, but it's Jesus never hustled. Why should we? 
And, Mm. you know, the opposite of the way we function in the world is we hustle, hustle, go, 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 thinking that that's going to get us somewhere. But my guess is heading into 08, you were going at it strong. I know I was. And where did that get us? It really showed that we were probably doing well, but there were things beyond our control. And I like the word. In fact, I wrote it down. We can't confirm this, but I wrote down the word clarity about 10 seconds before you said clarity is what you get mm. from the sabbatical. You do. And to me, uh, I, and I, and I want to make sure we talk about the revenue growth because my guess is that a project like that book and using the analogy of the engine for revenue growth, like you did so well, my guess is, is you got a lot of that clarity during the time on yeah. a sabbatical either either say yes or no or if it wasn't just fudge it no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> well you know, i actually got the idea while i was on my lawnmower oh there well, you go now you go but Wait, that's a good I thought you were a six <laughs> that's a good time <laughs> <laughs> you go i thought you were a successful pe- person don't all successful people hire people to do the uh the 25 an hour work not if you live down uh, in arkansas man you probably got you a well, big old mower nice one don't you <laughs> i do 60 inch zero turn here's what i love about my lawnmower uh, and i do believe by the way in in uh in doing the high value work and employing people and creating job opportunities for people to do the things that they're good at. But I like to mow my lawn because it's 30 minutes of uninterrupted time. And, you know, I get involved a lot in helping businesses develop their strategies and build their growth engine. You don't always see the results right away, but my lawn, Ooh, it looks good at the end, right? You're, you're done. You're done. You could step back and go, look what yeah. I did. Look at my achievements and accomplishments where I agree with you. I mean, a lot of the coaching and stuff I work with <laughs> the business owners, it's like years in the making. And then sometimes I'm not around to see the fruits of when that leader does take that month off. That's right. That we were working Plus I towards. listen to great podcasts while I'm doing it. And so anyhow, I'm on my lawnmower puttering across my lawn one day on my 60 inch zero turns, very nice lawnmower. And uh, I'm looking at my car that's in the driveway and I had this epiphany. I said, both of these have an engine. My lawnmower has a, I think two cylinder, I looked it up later, it's like a 28.5 horsepower engine. So if I wanted to drive from where I am to where you are at Zion National Park, I could take my lawnmower, I could do it. It would be a really, really long trip and I would probably be mocked mercilessly along the way and might even die. Uh, or I could get in my car. Now my car has six cylinders. I think it's topping out at about 390 horsepower and it's got leather seats and air conditioning. And so if I wanted to get from here to Zion National Park, I could take my lawnmower, I could take my car. I would choose my car because it has a better engine. And so here's the reality, every business, and this was my epiphany, every business has an engine, a growth engine. It's the sum total of your marketing and sales processes that are driving growth. The question is, how many cylinders do you have in your engine? And if you can add more cylinders to your engine, and just like a car, it's processes, right? These things just happen. You set yourself up so you can accelerate your growth. And so the revenue growth engine started as a blank whiteboard saying, okay, because I walked in so many businesses and you go, this is like an engine that's not firing on all cylinders. And it's moving forward, but you're like, it could be so much better. So if we start with a clean sheet design, what are all the systems that need to be in place? 
for a business to accelerate revenue growth. And um, this, you know, going back to the beginning of the conversation, more revenue, more impact, this just makes sense. And you go, is more revenue, more hassle? Not necessarily, because if you are focused on the right types of clients, we'll teach you how to identify your ideal client. And you've put processes in place that are going to enable that you to serve that client and their needs uh, effectively, then you actually set your business up. So you're serving more people, generating more revenue, but doing it with less hassle. And so from a kingdom perspective, now having that nice engine going, you know, if you think about if I'm on my lawnmower driving out to Utah, that's a big hassle, right? I mean, just mosquitoes, trucks whizzing by, I got to get gas probably every five miles or whatever. If I'm in my car, it's a totally different experience. I'm going 20 times faster. I'm relaxed. I'm having a conversation and all of that. Your business can be the same way. You're, you may feel right now like your business is driving down the road in that uh, lawn tractor, uh, not getting anywhere really fast. Um, I would say, look at your, lift the hood on your business and look at your growth engine. And that's what we want to do in the book. And by the way, uh, we got a ton of free resources. If you want to get those, and I'd actually love to send anyone listening to this podcast a book. If uh, you'll chip in for the shipping and handling, just text the word revenue to 21,000. That's revenue to 21,000 um, or go to revenuegrowthengine.com. And in there, you know, this is just a whole, it's like the whole roadmap and it was so, um, so gratifying last uh, Friday, right before the Christmas was kind of winding things down. One last phone call, talked to a, a gentleman out in, um, in the LA area, north of LA, and I'd known him for years. I didn't know he'd bought the book. He bought the book when it came out. I was grateful it came out in the summer of 2020. And uh, he said, Daryl, I had to talk to you because I took this book, I laid it over my business, and I made a commitment to do what you said to do in the book. And he goes, I've grown my revenue 30% year over year for the last three years. And he goes, I just want to let you know, I'm so thankful. He pulls the book up. It's dog-eared, highlighted. Everyone in his company has read it. And um, it was one of those moments uh, where you go, you know what? This is so cool because the reason it's really cool is this guy's a kingdom guy. And so now you look at his business, you know, before this, he had this much resource. Now he's got this much. He's hired more employees. I looked on his website at all the different organizations that they support in, in the LA area. And you go, okay, that's awesome. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's where you look at this and go, okay, well, I've got a kingdom business. The other thing that's beautiful about this to me, Tim, just using that analogy of driving in the car versus the lawnmower is I'm actually freed up to, to actually care about other people because I'm not spending my entire day worried about how we're going to make payroll, how we're going to grow the business, how we're going to handle these issues. If we get our engine performing well, it should be, you should know you're doing well because revenue is growing and your ability to pay attention to people around you in the process is growing. Your day's not all day long putting out fires. Mm -hmm. And so to me, this is another part of the kingdom impact that I don't talk about very much, but I'm seeing really clearly right now is you get that thing flowing smoothly. And now you actually have the bandwidth to give a rip and care about all the people on your team 
and the key clients you're meeting with and your your vendors and partners and suppliers. And you get to have the bandwidth to actually invest in those people, which is probably why you got into this in the first place. Yeah, I love that analogy you brought up of the, and, and I like the engine analogy that you use in the book. I think I said earlier in my Kindle, I think it says I'm a little over 50% finished and great practical guide information that's there. We, we might hit one of those right before we get off the line here shortly. But I like the lawnmower and the car analogy because I've made the drive from where I'm at to right around where you are. That's a long trip. Well, it is. But let's also let's layer this analogy a little bit more is if you're on a lawnmower, you're not going to get on the interstate. You're going to have to get off on some kind of dirt road uh, and no telling what it's going to be like to come along. Right. But but if <laughs> but if you're in that car, that vehicle, you're driving on the fastest route. You're on that interstate. It's the smoothest route. It's the easiest. You're in the air-conditioned compartment and all that. I'm, I'm having fun with your analogy here. So, I mean, and, and let me just tell you, it's probably a lot harder and a lot more work on that lawnmower, and it's going to take you a lot longer, and you may not ever make it. <laughs> well, look, you're going to make it somewhere, and, and that's the thing. I mean, every business does have a growth engine. You got in business. Yeah. You're generating revenue, and, um, you know, the reality is, uh, this is, you know, one of the things we've got to do is we've got to look at our business and look at it like an engine. Uh, if you boil a business mm -hmm. down to its most basic level, you got two things, people and processes, right? Or for my Canadian friends, people and processes. And you've got both of those things in your business. And so you may have people in your business and you may be frustrated and you may go, these people don't know what they're doing. <laughs> you know, and every business owner, I think you'd go through that, right? You'd start a business, you realize you can't do it all yourself. You hire people, but most people, most business owners hire people and then they get frustrated and they're like, ah, forget it. Get rid of these people. I'm gonna do it all myself. And you go through this roller coaster of entrepreneurship. When you hire people, you also have to make sure you put processes in place because you can't say people are doing a terrible job if they don't know what the job is. Uh, you can't say these people don't know what they're doing if you haven't told them what to do and given them the tools to do it. And so when it comes to the revenue side of the business, which is sales, marketing, and client support, all the, the areas where you generate revenue, um, you've got you to look at this in terms of what are the processes that I need to put in place? And that's what we get into in the last half of the book that you can look forward to is what are the core processes uh, from a sales and marketing standpoint to drive net new business, to bring new logos, new customers in. And one of the core processes that are most overlooked in businesses to drive cross-sell revenue. So once we land a client, how do we expand in that? And when we get those core processes put in place, you also start to notice your people problems are not what they were before because people actually know what they're supposed to be doing. And hopefully they're doing the same thing. Your leaders can coach them to a process and hopefully along the way of developing your engine, you've, you've put the right tools in place. And we've, we've looked at that from a, a tool, a sales and marketing tool standpoint, but also from a technology standpoint that all of this is working together. Uh, you got to have everything pointed in the same direction. So, you know, you think of sales and marketing, we talk about alignment to keep going with this car analogy. We've all driven a car that's out of alignment, right? Pulls to the left, pulls to the right, wheels. You know, and, and this is what a lot of businesses are like. When you don't have those processes in place, when you don't have a common goal around an ideal client and a similar message, you, everyone's pulling in a different direction. And it's hard. It's frustrating. 
So when you get your growth engine optimized, you get everything aligned and it's just like driving that brand new car down the highway. You're sailing down the highway. You're getting places. You got the podcast on the air conditioning's blowing, maybe the tops open and you're having a good time. And that's what business can and should be like, because in the middle of that, then you've got the revenue to make an impact and you've got the bandwidth to make an impact on the lives of people around you. And that's when things get good. Yeah. One of the things I like, Daryl, is that you, in the book, it's, it's not, it's not like you're holding back and leading people into something. I, I think like you said about your client in LA or your friend in LA that bought the book, you, you kind of lay it all out there. Now, now that doesn't mean that people may not need some help with some things along the way. I mean, that's, I, I think that's why you're in place and there's other people there, but I'd, I'd love for you to give, if you can, this might be tough, but I, I think you could pull it off. Uh, I'm going to ask one more question and then I'm going to ask where people can get all the info and everything and then we'll wrap up. Cool. Do you have one, someone's been listening in and they've been hearing all we've been talking about, a lot of spiritual things and all, but we just kind of dove into revenue growth here towards the end. Do you have like a really succinct practical tip that that a business owner, owner of an organization, leader of an organization, maybe even a, a nonprofit that you might, it's an always or never or something like that that you might want to give them before we wrap up here? Just some little tip or something. Yeah, I want to, I want to say this because we're in a dynamic marketplace right now. Things are changing really quickly. And in the book, we make the case that people don't buy products and services from you. They buy the outcomes those products and services enable. So it doesn't matter what you're selling. If you're selling plumbing supplies or you're selling accounting services or you're selling technology, people aren't buying your widget. They're buying the outcome that it enables. And here's the, the, the deal right now. The outcomes, your product may stay the same. Your service may stay the same, but the outcomes are changing. When the pandemic happened in the technology world where I've spent a lot of time, Gartner, the research company, did research on what people were buying. Before the pandemic in the technology world, they were buying scalability, rapid growth, you know, all of that. As soon as the pandemic happened, customers were still buying the same technology products, but the outcomes they wanted were redundancy, resiliency, enable remote work. Same product, different outcome. If you want to get the attention of your prospect and client, you better be talking about the outcomes that are top of mind for them right now. Otherwise, you're just going to get filtered out. And in this marketplace of 2023 or wherever in the future you might be listening to this, one thing is constant right now, it's change. And maybe another thing around that would be the uncertainty related to that change. So in the middle of this, we've got to keep our ear to the ground and ask our clients, what's going on in your business? What are you concerned about? What are you excited about? We've got to really understand the outcomes our clients want. And then we've got a message around those outcomes. The companies that do that are going to succeed. The companies that don't are really going to struggle. Mm, that's good, Daryl. I appreciate that. Where you mentioned an offer earlier, but I want you to repeat it here and we'll have it in all the notes mm -hmm. and everything so people can get it. But where can people find you? You mentioned a podcast. I know you've got another podcast. Just go ahead and give all the coordinates verbally here. Yeah. We'll include it. And I've got one more question before we wrap. Well, let's just make it really simple. Um, if you go to revenuegrowthengine.com, you can get a free copy of the book. I'll send you an autographed copy if you'll pitch in for shipping and handling. There's free resources there that will help you set revenue goals, identify your ideal client, and I'd love to get to know you through the site. Um, and so go there, revenuegrowthengine.com, or if you're out and about right now, text the word revenue to 21,000. 
and it'll direct you over there. That's revenue to 21,000. Perfect. Thank and of you. course, love to connect with everybody. I'm on LinkedIn and there's only one Daryl Amy wow. on LinkedIn. So you're <laughs> going to find me really easily. We'll probably include your uh, LinkedIn. If the, I know the people that do the transcription, they'll probably include it down in there. So check all those out if uh, if you've been listening. Daryl, we are seek, go, create those three words. And I'm going to give you one of those words. I'm going to let you pick one that wow. resonates more than the other two and why. That's my final question. Then I'm going to do a quick wrap. All right. Now, I, you warned me about this. Seek, and I'm go, pick, or create. I love all three of those, but I'm going to pick seek right now because I am about to go on sabbatical. And, you know, I, the obvious verse is seek first the kingdom of God is that word we were talking about earlier. And all these things will be added to you. Growth, right? Added uh, and all of that. So I want to challenge you um, to set time apart. If you're an entrepreneur, you're a business owner, you lead anything, you owe it to your people, to your employees, your clients, your vendors, you owe it to them to get off the grid and, um, and seek first the kingdom of God. And the rest of the stuff is going to be added to you. So, and uh, one more verse in there, if you seek, you will find. And so, we're hustling. Uh, don't stop hustling, but seek first and then hustle. Yeah, there's a reason, that, reason that that word is first. Thank you, Daryl. <laughs> Listen, if you've been listening in, I know you've gotten some good info here. Two quick things I'm going to ask you to do. Uh, number one, check out all the resources that Daryl mentioned. I think you need to get the book. If uh, Regardless of what line of work or industry or anything in, I think if you're in, in ministry, you need to understand these concepts because identifying your audience and, and clarifying your message, all of those things are important in whatever we're in. So get the resources mm. Daryl mentioned. Second thing is, is I, I think you know people that need to listen to this message that Daryl shared. So take a screenshot if you're on your podcast player, if you're on YouTube watching or one of the socials, just share this. I know that as you, as you listen to this, some face or some name popped to your mind. Make sure you share it. Check out all that uh, all that we have here. Make sure if you've been listening to this, you go back to the website that we have that we've got all these notes that uh, you can check out with timestamps. I appreciate Daryl sharing with us. We have new episodes every Monday. Until next time, continue being all that you were created to be.